0: Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and ElitesportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is another episode of the podcast that is sweeping the nation. It is your boy, One Man's Opinion. I am Jeff Mans. This is episode number 34. We are entering week five of the NFL. And uh, boy, tumultuous as it may be. We're getting you through it. That is for sure. Welcome to it, everybody. Again, my name is Jeff Mans. You could find my work if you're interested in fantasy football or fantasy baseball. Those are the two sports I I do primarily. We also have NBA coverage, NHL, all other sports that you could imagine. Everything from poker to horse racing. Good Lord, everything. Uh, fantasyguru.com. That's your seasonal fantasy sports site. Uh, we do baseball and football over there. My week five rankings are live. The projections are live. Running back grid. The slot wide receiver grid, which I'll be talking about on today's episode, is also found over there. That's by our good uh, analyst, Tyler Tyler Beaker putting that together every week for us over there at fantasyguru.com. EliteFantasy.com is the place to go for all your daily fantasy sports needs my cash game breakdown it has data tables it's got it's a thousand dollars of data all in one article and it's not our data it's data from all over the place i've gathered it i've collected it i give it to you every single week and the cash game breakdown. That's just one. We have coaching sessions, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, defenses, lineup coaching over there as well at elitefantasy.com. We just lowered our prices. If you want a deeper discount, radio 20, all one word, all together. That's how you get 20% off at elitefantasy.com or fantasyguru.com or at elitesportsbetting.com where I post all my NFL bets, and uh, I'll give you some bets here. We swept the board 3-0 last week on this podcast. Now, I didn't do as well over at the site. I'm not going to mislead anybody. I was 4-4 four four in my bets in week number four. Oh, magic number. How about that? And the week before, I was 3-4. It was actually under 500 last two weeks. That doesn't happen very often for the entirety of the season. However, that's a whole different story because we start out – Ultra ultra hot at EliteSportsBetting.com. I'm nineteen thirteen and one over there, seven units above uh, where we need to be, or above five hundred. So you know we're profitable, is what we're looking at. Also, all your survivor pool picks are over there at EliteSportsBetting.com as well. Follow me on Twitter at jeff underscore mans, the Jeff Mans on other social media outlets: Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat and TikTok. Today, we are we have a lot to talk about. As we sit here, I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon before the Tampa Bay-Chicago game and Thursday Night Football. I'll give some thoughts on that for those who download this sh- show immediately. Otherwise, we're going to be pretty heavy on the Sunday and Monday games. The game that is in question right now, though, is Buffalo, Tennessee. We know it's not going to be played on Sunday, but what they're going to do is perplexing. I don't know what they're going to do because Tennessee can't get out of their own fucking way and they can't be negative for COVID-19. And it's not like they're not at fault. They're at fault. They got together. They knew there was an outbreak amongst their players and coaches and personnel members. And yet they kept getting together day after day, even last week while they were on a buy and weren't supposed to. And now it's spreading after two days of negative tests Tennessee has tested positive each of the last two days and their game of week five is in much jeopardy. Now I I'm thinking the NFL is going to send a message. I've got a bad feeling. This may be the first forfeiture that I can remember in my lifetime of any major sport. I can't remember a pure outright forfeit of a game. Maybe it's happened. The fact, if you're going to go Google it, go Google it. I have no fucking, I don't remember that's happening. But it, it is setting up that the NFL wants to send a message. And what better message to say, no, you're, you, you're guys screwed? You forfeit the game. You're going to endanger the Buffalo Bills if you do take the field, or you're going to endanger others because you guys can't stay away from each other for some reason. Can't be adults. And that pisses me off. That really pisses me off. Can't do the simple fucking things that it takes for you to be successful, to do your job. I mean, that's what it's all about after all. So I'm going to talk about that. You know, let me come back to that for a second. Um, Today on the show, we'll go over all the injuries from fantasy football. Last week, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler out six to eight weeks apiece right there. Looking like Eckler actually four to six now, which is some positive news as we've gone through this week. But I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to tell you my, uh, my running back rankings for the rest of the season. Who is a running back one in fantasy football from now through the end of the year? Well, I'll tell you on this very show here today, free of charge. Also, we'll talk about the slot wide receiver grid, give you some of my favorite bets, the starts and sits of the week as we normally do on this podcast as well. Let me get back to that, why I'm pissed off. So that I have been, for those who have listened to the radio show, this, this is nice that I could actually talk freely. I am pissed off. For those who listen to the SiriusXM radio show and notice, I've been somewhat of an asshole all week. I have been an asshole. I've been an asshole to my, my co-hosts on the show, uh, the producers a little bit, not behind the scenes because they do a great job. But I, I am pretty – I've been pissy with my customers even over at EliteFantasy.com, even at FantasyGuru.com a little bit. Not so much at Guru, but over at Elite Fantasy where my daily players are at. And I'll tell you why. I am super pissed last week in the cash game breakdown, so I had the fourth consecutive winning week in Daily Fantasy, but I got flack, and I got people shitting on my work from last week because of Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson was in my core four. We built lineups around him, and he absolutely fucking tanked, tanked, just tanked. Why did he tank? Is he not skilled? Was it a bad call? Absolutely not. It was a great call. It's the call that had to be made. All right. But Sean McVay decided that he was going to go Malcolm Brown. They had three possessions in the entire first half of that ball game, folks. They had three entire possessions and they had a fourth, but they fumbled on the first, the very first uh, play. Malcolm Brown then was in the game for most majority of this game. And why that happened, I don't – there's no – nobody could have saw it coming. I mean, people that cover the team didn't see this coming. 35-22, to Brown had a snap count over Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson didn't do anything wrong, didn't miss a blitz pickup. I went – I've rewatched that game twice, and it's a piece of shit game. And so for me to do that, you know it's imperative. Didn't miss a blitz pickup, didn't fumble a football, didn't do anything wrong. Just decided. And – sometimes that happens. Sure. But what pit and it pisses me off people lambasting the work for that folks. Let me just tell you about this job of mine uh, and being a fantasy sports analyst. Yes. You're tied to results. Yes. We expect results. Yes. We will get results. I haven't hung on in this business for 15 years by not winning. Right. It just, it that doesn't happen. Um, You can't be afraid of everything. All right. And so I get shit on for the Daryl Henderson play and that would be fine. I could deal with that angle of it, even though it's not right. I'm used to it, it's the job, whatever, but I'll tell you what, what pisses me off more than anything. And it, it really it's Thursday and I'm not over it. I'm not going to be over it because I've got a messed up personality that probably needs a ton more therapy than I've gone through. I can't. I don't hold. I hold things in forever. I hold it on to things forever. I will never get over, and that is my subscriber base. This past weekend at EliteFantasy.com. in my article, I hit. I wrote up for one all week long. It started last Tuesday on the serious XM show. It continued on this podcast. Go back and re listen to episode uh, thirty three from last week. I talk about a guy named Joe Mixon, serious XM thought my call was so profound on Tuesday, they started playing a cut of me saying, Joe Mixon, huge bounce back week today. He absolutely terrorizes the Jaguars, right? They they played that soundbite on every single show, the, the intro to every single show, every single, every two hours, all week long from Thursday all the way through Monday morning. They played that soundbite. You heard me say that. So all you who are serious as XM subscribers, you heard me pound that in you. I said it on the shows on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. On Friday, made predictions about that, as a matter of fact. Uh, number one prediction, as I recall. And then in my article, The Cash Game Breakdown Elite Fantasy, I wrote him as my GPP player of the week. Got to get him in. And I wrote a whole thing how I talked about game theory. I've talked about how... To stop, everyone gets in their head that everybody wants to uncover the newest player, the newest player, the first time somebody's gonna break out. Everyone wants to be the guy or gal that called the breakout the first time somebody did something. Okay. And there was a period of time, maybe eight, 10 years ago, where in our industry that was viable because a lot of listeners and those seeking fantasy information, maybe you didn't know who uh, LaVisca Chenault was, you know, whatever. Maybe you didn't know who uh, uh, Zacchaeus, uh of the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Maybe maybe you didn't know who, yeah, you know, Olamide Zacchaeus. Maybe you didn't know who those kind of players were. But now you know, right? Everyone has, we have Wi-Fi in our soul We have phones that are hip and computers and laptops and mobile and every tablets, everything. You guys know the players, you know who they are. You've got good backstory on a lot of them. Not all of them still need me for that. Right. But what you need is the game theory. You need to know, okay, how people that come to me, people that pay for my information, whether it's Sirius XM or one of the sites or whatever, even, you know, I, I, always value this podcast. This podcast is technically free, but you guys have to go in, search for it, download it. You've put effort into it. And I take that relationship very fucking seriously. It's a serious commitment. Somebody wants to get my advice or hear my nasally drawn drone. That's serious, man. You know, I don't expect people to, to necessarily want my information or seek my information. I'm proud that you do i'm happy that you do and i work very very hard to keep that trust and i think it's a two-way street between me and all of you listening and so i my job is to put you in the best possible situation to win last week i went out and i built my second lineup first time i've done that all season to build a, a gpp line. no 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 i did it week one no no that's untrue. All right, it's first time in two weeks I've done a secondary lineup with Joe Mixon, and and it absolutely, positively fucking smashed. Fuller, Watson, Mixon, these guys absolutely balled out. Three um, percent ownership in DFS. In three percent, three percent ownership. Joe Mixon, he didn't do well last week. All right, for just so we're clear, he was the number one fantasy player. From week four, number one, that's it. There was no quarterback with more points. There was no receiver with more points. There's no running backs. There's nobody had more points than Joe Mixon last week. All right, so that advantage at three percent ownership, 150 yards, three touchdowns, six catches, 30 yards. Good Lord, 181 total yards. That kind of advantage wins you all of the money all of it not some of the money all the money now i'll say this i didn't win all the money i had i was if darrell henderson i had the the best lineup with darrell henderson the rams defense and um um jimmy graham as my tight end last week in dfs if i was i was ready to win 100 grand i wasn't in the millie maker so i wasn't going to win a millie but I was poised. I was in the lead. I mean, I was in the lead. Well, I wasn't okay. I was in, where was I eighth place going into the late games, but nobody had me. There was a lot of Henderson ownership, but nobody had three players. Like I did, nobody had a defense and nobody even had, um, they had a defense, but they had other defenses and some of the Rams, but there I had the nuts essentially, but Daryl Henderson completely fucked it up. I wanted a lot of money last week with that lineup. It didn't win all of it. But what I am so disappointed about and am so pissed off is that very few of our subscribers actually use that piece of information. That bothers me, man. That pisses me right the fuck off. Why? I talked about it all week. Oh, we! It wasn't just I threw it in there. Sometimes the player, you know, I've had good calls or Jalen Guyton last week. Jalen Guyton was a good call. I got a lot of positive feedback for that call, but it wasn't that good. I I said he was going to catch a touchdown, and it was going to be a long touchdown, which is good. You know, I I put, uh, you know, I put my set it on my chest, as we say in the show. But that's not the whole deal. Like that, that's not as hard as it is to. The Joe Mixon situation is a psychological problem where you have to be willing. There's too much wanting to be cute and fancy, and there's not enough wanting to win, and that's my problem, and it's greatly disappointing because I don't have anything else to help you with. If I can't give you that analysis, if I can't point that out to you, if I can't get you to that spot and I can't make you drink, I don't know what I can do. I, I that's, that's it. You're not going to get a better call than Mixon this year. There's there, Nobody on the planet, nobody else, myself included, nobody's going to do that again. Nobody. There will be players that score more than Joe Mixon probably that somebody will call, but they'll have 20% ownership, 30%. And that's not a guaranteed win. Using Mixon was a guaranteed win last week. Guaranteed. Nobody had it. It was such an aggressive play. And the thing is it wasn't hard because Joe Mixon's a goddamn first round pick, a first round pick. He's a great player who's done great things in the league and people wanted to draft in the first or let's say second round at the very least in back in August. But three bad games took everybody out of him so much that even me, a bona fide winner at fantasy football, constantly harping all week long, even I couldn't convince you. What what else am I supposed to do? And that's the thing. I want to go back. I want to say something because I talked about something earlier. Do your job. Does anybody know which NFL coach, which NFL coach's mantra that is? It's Bill Belichick's mantra. Do your job. I think that goes... That is such an important thing in today's culture in our environment because there's too much concern over all bullshit. there is too much of it, too much everybody wants to be a fucking hero. You know how you're a hero, show up, do the work, constantly be there for people and yeah I, i'm not I'm not going to get off into politics, but i'm going to say you know what's Mind blowing for me in so on social media, Twitter, Facebook, all these different places is how people are constantly. Everybody's a fucking genius. Everybody knows all the, the COVID 19. All the, you know, the, I'm sure there's some of you, you're gonna get mad. But you guys think you're doctors or scientists and you've got the cure and it's not that bad and masks don't help, or maybe they do, and this is the only way to do this. And then, you know, it's always you everybody's a god, everyone's an expert. But you're not an expert unless, you know, you're an expert. So stop trying to be the hero. If you work at a target, be the best target employee you can be. Help people find it. You work drive through at the Burger King, which I did when I was 15 years old, 16 years old. Have good customer service. Be the best you can be. Do your job. The New England Patriots have been on a 20-year dynasty run in the NFL, and they do it. The first thing Bill Belichick says when they get in the door, you wonder how Cam Newton's now so freaking good. All of a sudden, he's back to good with the Patriots. How does this happen? It happens because he, te- he tells you the one thing, do your job. Don't worry about everybody else. If every single person did what they are supposed to do, don't worry about, you may th- second-guess the coach. You may second-guess the general manager. You may second-guess the quarterback. But you need to concentrate, only concentrate on your job, what you're supposed to be doing. You block this guy in this on this plate. You pull here, block him. You are responsible for that player on defense. You're responsible for that player on defense. You're responsible for this. Do what you're supposed to do. And what do you know? A team game turns into a game of matchups and a game of winning. And when it comes to why does this matter? Why am I talking off the cuff? Because everybody's an expert at everything in the world. And last week, it fucking infuriated me infuriated me that Joe Mixon was 3% and Ryan Fitz fucking Patrick was 30 drives me crazy. Why are you going to Ryan Fitzpatrick? You didn't have to do that. That was a stupid play. It was dumb, but he threw for 300 and he got 20 points. He got 0.4 more than your guy, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, well, I won more with him than anybody won with Ryan fucking Fitzpatrick because it's more than that. It's a mentality. Fitzpatrick was in a terrible spot against a defense that everybody else was devaluing because they had played three amazing offenses to start the year. Miami sucks. If Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't throw for almost 60 yards and run for 10 yards more in a touchdown on the final drive of that game, He's got 10 and a half points. He's got 11 points, maybe. That's it. One possession did everything for him. He was awful. He played bad. Those who don't watch the games, you think, oh, he did did fine. No, he didn't. He was terrible. He was was so bad in that game that Monday and Tuesday, Brian Flores had to come out and reaffirm that he's going to start in week five because of how terrible he was. 30% ownership. And you call, and there are people saying that's a success. It You had thirty percent ownership. He was the twelfth highest scoring quarterback of the week. You won nothing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nothing. You were never going to win with him. You were never going to win a GP. You were. Ne- it's never going to happen. I need to pound this into your brains in DFS and betting. Now, seasonal fantasy is different. We don't have odds. You go with what you got. You need to be consistent and all that good stuff. But even in seasonal fantasy, do your job. Be responsible for your team. Play the best players. That's why I I make as much money as I make doing cash games. I only worry about that element. Now, I give GPP, and I play GPP. But, and I, I just won money in GPP last week. But that's not – I know I could easily lose that money back and then drop another I – could, I could lose ten grand this year in GPP still, even after last week. Easily I could do that. But I will never, ever, ever have a losing cash game season. A fucking world would have to drop dead for that to happen. It's not going to have – the world would have to sink – Why? Because that's what I, that's all I worry about all week long. That's what I worry about. I tune it. I wrench on it. I shine it. I polish it. Spit polish. I work on it from Sunday night, the previous week, all the way through the following Sunday, I wrench and work and tweak and make sure and verify every single thing we could do to get us over the 50% barrier. And it's a lot easier getting 50% lineup than it is trying to get a top five percent or top three percent lineup that's why i'm pissed because everybody should have won all the money the elite mafia those you trust me to do my job i did my job this is like you know i I hate not it's not dak prescott because dak prescott threw 500 yards while his team sucked and while he was pretty shitty in the first half of that game too but this is like a heroic effort, in my opinion, that went completely just by the wayside because people didn't trust it because people wanted to be a hero. People wanted to worry about Fitzpatrick. And you want to worry about James Robinson at the same exact price. You want to compare apples to apples. The running back spot, thirty, another 25% ownership guy, right? You, I mean you you want to get cute you want to get fun you you try to get dive in with bad players you you try to try you, you'll take backup players and you know, part-time runners and things like that but the backups you you use that instead of somebody that is right in front of you in an obviously good situation that somebody like me points out all week long and you still can't hammer it down that makes me mental. That's why I'm pissed. Do your job. Folks, if you want a better life, I'm going to solve your life right now. I will solve it on a fantasy football podcast. How about that? I will solve your problems. Everything, your relationship with your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, whatever, kids, everything. Worry about your important, what's important to you. Worry about your life. Don't worry about what the neighbor has. The neighbor, don't worry about other people's social media. Don't worry about how many likes somebody else have a, on their Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Don't worry about how happy some other relationship looks. Don't worry about that stuff. You've got your own deal. And that stuff is important to you. All the parents out there, you know what's important to your kids, especially when they're real young? When they're older, they'll learn to hate you, but that's different. <laughs> when they're, you're young, they just care that you're coming home. They don't care if what's in your bank account. They don't care what house you're in. They don't care what car you drive. They don't care what somebody said at work or on social media. They don't care. People that care about you don't give a shit about that stuff. Do your job. Take care of your nest, your house, your work. That's what you need to worry about. And in fantasy, it's the same thing. You don't need to be heroic. Winning a million dollars in this, hobby this game winning a championship in this game doesn't take the deepest call ever there are no difficulty points i go through this every week even with our staff at elite sports betting we do a super contest thing every week everyone wants to talk about upsets oh what's the upset upset who cares about upsets doesn't matter win it's all uh, nobody measures you don't get any bonus points for an upset you don't do it just pick winners I've been the most, I've been profitable three years in a row, betting on the NFL documented on lead sports betting. How I don't bet on other sports. I'm not a big sports better. I bet bet horse racing. I like, Uh, I never bet baseball. I bet little tiny basketball. I bet a ton of football always have. I know football. I know the spreads. I know the matchups. So I bet it. I don't take many chances. You don't see me doing teasers, and multiple parlays and shit like that. No, I just bet the games, man. And then I I put I I bet the games, I get the money, I put the money in my pocket and I use it to better my situation. I don't compete with my neighbors or my friends or my relatives. I had somebody, a family member one time tell me he thought that life was a competition. Ah, we're all competing for the and I said, "You're going to be miserable your entire life." And that person Kind of has been. Life's not a competition. It's a competition between yourself. Be the best you can be. Sound like an army commercial. Do your job. That's all I got to say. Worry about your job. Just do your job. Don't worry about everybody else. And the world will open up to you like a beautiful flower. All right. I've bitched at you long enough. What else we got? Um, no difficulty points, man. I can't I can't get over that. Everybody wants the deep anyway. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about last week and how it's gonna affect week five and beyond. A couple of running back injuries. I got slaughtered, by the way, because my most owned player this season, number one is Nick Chubb, number two is Cam Akers, number three is Austin Eckler. Uh that's not fair. I think I have a lot of Will Fuller too. I've got some receivers in there. Those are my top three running backs in ownership in seasonal this year and now they're all out injured acres looks like he may be coming back this week i sure hope he does but the browns running back situation i thought was a little fascinating and what was fascinating is that we all assumed that when nick chubb and or kareem hunt went down whichever one that the other one right the other one was um the, uh, the the other one would just pick up and be a hundred percent that we thought that that person would just come in and be the lead guy. Well, something happened when Chubb went down early in that game, Dearness Johnson came in and got a boatload of touches. And it wasn't just Dearness Johnson. Obviously it was Dalton Hilliard too. They both are down trail Hilliard. He, uh, it's how old I am going back to my old new Orleans saints guys, Dalton Hilliard. Um, Dontrell Hilliard came in. He played a a good amount of snaps. He played 15 snaps to Dearness Johnson, 17. But that wasn't the entirety of the conversation. That wasn't because what really happened is Dearness Johnson came in and got 13 carries and rang up 95 yards on that. While Dontrell Hilliard got five carries and uh, got 19 total yards. All right, so... The one thing that's pretty obvious here is it's not going to be a hundred percent Kareem Hunt. Now he's the lead, he is by far the lead. I won't even call this a 1A, 1B situation, but I do think Dearness Johnson has standalone value. I think he is the guy. Hilliard's a smaller running back, he doesn't have the pedigree that uh Dearness Johnson does. Uh, you know, guy wasn't even drafted, by the way, but was highly recruited coming into going into college, um, settled in South Florida because that's where he's his home was, but had offers, D one offers all over the place. You know, and he broke a lot of records, broke Marlon max record back at South Florida, um, had a really accomplished college career, a tremendous college career, and then he just wasn't invited to Combine. Nobody knew his athleticism at that point. So that was it. Hilliard's been picked up and dropped and waved and everything else. During the shots, it's never been cut. They took a shot on him in May of 2019. And he's been with the Cleveland Browns ever since. And this coaching staff likes him. And he's a zone runner. A so one-cut runner, which is what they run here in Cleveland. With that offensive line with that offensive line, whoever is the running back is going to be productive almost across the board. And you could plug in almost anybody in the NFL. They're going to be productive, but I think Dearness Johnson has standalone value. I think he's a flex option. Even as soon as this week. Now we'll learn a lot more on how the split between Johnson and Hilliard go. All right. I'm pretty confident it's going to go to Johnson's direction. It's not a hundred percent, It's not a hundred percent, but I'm, Pretty darn confident it will. And I'm confident, even furthermore, that Hunt is not going to be a 25-touch-a-week guy. They are going to go 15-touch. They don't want to go more than 15 touches with Kareem Hunt. They just don't see him in that light right now. If they did, he's possibly one of the top, if not the top running back in the entire, entire fantasy football. But that's not going to happen. It doesn't seem like it, at least. I know he banged up. He was banged up last week, but still got the groin injury. Still set out practice up until I don't think he even practiced today, as a matter of fact, Thursday. So, um, with that being said, we've got other opportunities. The important thing about this is for the Nick Chubb owners, like I am, right? That is very important that we have somebody else here that can hopefully work his way in. And who knows if Kareem Hunt does go down. <laughs> And Dearness Johnson could be an absolute. He could be a top five fantasy running back this year. That's how quick it goes. One injury to one injury. This team is the best running team in the National Football League this year. Hundred percent best offensive line, best system, the best spot to be invested in. And your boy, it's me, told you that at the beginning of the season. I told you that. Go back on these podcasts, y'all. Go back to May. Go back to April. And I said it. What number podcast was it? Buy the Browns, number 20. I think that was episode 20. Did I did that back in uh, late June, I think? That's told you to buy the Browns right then. And it's coming in uh, mighty handy right now as well. The other big injury situation in the NFL, um, LA Chargers, Austin Eckler goes down hamstring. Good thing there was some news here today that it's not a tear it's just a strain so it's just a grade two which is huge news and they actually moved up the timeline it may only be four, it's four to six weeks as opposed to six plus weeks which is what they initially feared and thought because they thought he had a tear it sure looked like he got a tear because it was like a hyper extended like a, a pulling of the hamstring normally you don't see that but we did this time so What happens then, Josh Kelly, for those who didn't see the game, Josh Kelly comes in the game, and for the second time in the season, and one of the worst spots we've ever seen, Josh Kelly fumbles the ball away. They had under a minute, I think, to halftime in that Tampa Bay Charger game in Week 4. Kelly comes in the game. He promptly fumbles the ball out to a second game in a row that he's fumbled away. He lost the fumble. Fumbles the ball to... Tampa Bay, Tampa gets the ball and what do you know, they score right before halftime and what was a 24 to 7 lead becomes 24 to 14 and 24 to 14 um becomes a uh um 38-31 loss. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the game by a touchdown, that touchdown, you know, 30 seconds left in the half. That that was the entire game. I don't think Anthony Lynn is going to, I don't think he's going to trust Josh Kelly as much. Now, in my rankings of Fantasy Guru this week, I do have Kelly over Jackson, but they're super close. Super close. And in that game last week, they only ran the ball 15 times nine for Kelly. Justin Jackson got six of them. Neither one did dog shit with it, they did absolutely nothing. So Kelly got a little bit more, but he was, you know, that's when Eckler was still in the game. So that's a situation to watch. I think Justin Jackson has standalone value as well. So both of the the one positive here is that Dearness Johnson and Justin Jackson both have standalone value for those who lost Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler. Let's get into, I want to talk a, a little bit here about my rest of season running back rankings because holy, it's a shit show. Isn't it? Isn't running back a shit show right now? Saquon gone, McCaffrey gone, um, all Eckler gone, Chubb gone. Zeke is absolutely <laughs> shitty. Uh, that offensive line doesn't look good. By the way, news today: Tyron Smith. They he's having an expert to look at his neck injury. And that's a real bad problem. There's a very good chance Tyron Smith may be out for the year. That's the starting left tackle of the Cowboys. If you've wondered why the Cowboys haven't been able to run the ball for anything over the last uh, uh you know couple of weeks, it's because Tyron Smith is out. It's because Leo Collins is out, and Leo Collins isn't close to coming back either, which we thought after three weeks he may come back. So he's not close. The right tackle. Smith may be out for the season. They lost their starting center, Travis Frederick, before the season, he retired because he had a neck issue. All of a sudden, they're just ran. This is this offensive line went from one of the best or the best in the NFL the last couple of years to one of the worst. And it's not a good unit right now. So it's, it's real bad. So um running backs are a mess. So Zeke's got problems there. Um You know, uh, other guys that haven't, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, everyone overdrafted him, one touchdown on the year, decent, you know, solid yardage totals. But that, Derrick Henry hasn't played in, in a week, had his bye week forced upon us, maybe off this week again. Joe Mixon up until last week had really disappointed everybody there as well. Miles Sanders misses time, then, you know, misses week one, comes back in a great spot, gets, you know, 95 yards, but nothing big. Kenyon Drake's been a miserable failure, disappointment so far. I mean, the running back spot is just a mess. So I wanted to do it on the podcast today, go through my rest of season running back rankings with you guys on just how I'm valuing these players. I I need to do something uh, for all the positions. I've got something in the works over there at fantasy guru. We'll get to after week number five, but um, stay tuned for that one. Subscribers. Number one, running back. Right now is Dalvin Cook. It it might you know I can't say it's not close because I have Dalvin Cook number one, Alvin Kamara number two, uh, Christian McCaffrey is number three. Now McCaffrey's not he's going to be back likely in week number six, so Carolina doesn't have their buy until week thirteen. That's the good news for McCaffrey owners. Mike Davis done a great freaking job, real great. He'll have one more week here. Uh, against the Falcons, and then likely week six is when Christian McCaffrey comes back. So McCaffrey will obviously challenge for that number one spot as well, but the Vikings don't have much else. The offensive line has been solid. The run game as it always is with Gary Kubiak's been solid. The best thing about it is that when the Vikings get, go down and be, are behind, they're playing from a deficit, they are continuing to stick with the run. We see that way too often with teams that they have a great running back and they have a great run game, but they go down by 7, 10, 13, 14 points and they say, oh shit, we have to. They they get desperate and they don't do what they do best. They start throwing the ball around and it it doesn't work. And Kirk Cousins and Jefferson and Thielen, Jefferson has been a, a huge, huge find. For this team, the last couple of weeks. I don't know what took him so long to get on the field, but rolling out Ola BC Johnson. Can you believe that shit? But uh, Cook is just dominating that backfield. And it's a run game that's not going to go anywhere. It's going to be the foundation of that offense every single week, no matter what. So the utmost trust in him. has done everything via the passing game. He. Has been very touchdown reliant in the early going, which is fine. But when Michael Thomas comes back and Drew Brees starts throwing the ball downfield again, which by the way, he did against the Lions, right? He did against the Lions. So that whole thing's over. I mean, Kamara's 35 targets. He's top five in targets this season for anybody, let alone a, a, a running back. So and now that he has 321 yards he only has 230 yards rushing seven touchdowns for Camara so I have Camara second but whatever it's I mean if you have them you're just not dealing them that's the whole point Camara second Christian McCaffrey third I think we've learned a lot about McCaffrey we've learned a lot about what uh that offense predicates and that is Dinking and dunking, throwing the ball, checking down a running back, checking down a running back, checking down a running back, checking down a running back. I mean, it's 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 downright amazing what Mike Davis has been able to do over the last couple of weeks without uh, Christian McCaffrey. But when you realize, well, the system is what it is, then and they're going to check down, that's how they're trained, that's what they do, you're going to get those targets and those cheap fantasy points in a PPR format. Last week, Mike Davis even had to contend with Reggie Bonifant, for crying out loud. Now, Bonifant's hurt again, so we don't. he doesn't have that worry for week five in a very tasty matchup here against the Atlanta Falcons. But, uh, yeah, McCaffrey you know, could be back as quick as the Bears game in week number six. If not, definitely for week number seven against the Saints. He is number three. Aaron Jones, number four. Kudos! To, shout out to everybody who drafted um, uh, Aaron Jones when you did. I was I got nervous. That's one of those uh, ones. One of those players I just missed out on. I don't have really anything. I don't have any shares of uh, of him of Aaron Jones, and that that's one I'm deeply regretting because the offense looks great. AJ Dillon never even factored in. Jamal Williams, we saw a lot, way too much of him. Way too much of him on Monday Night Football, but you know it's still Aaron Jones' backfield. Derrick Henry's number five, even yeah, even in a PPR, even in a PPR, when he's healthy, he's already passes bye week. So going forward, there's a ton, absolute ton, of value there. And please, whoever is up there above the clouds, God, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, Muhammad, any whoever it is. Can you please just do me one favor and keep Derrick Henry healthy? Just keep him healthy for crying out loud. Just don't give him COVID. Please don't catch You need to put him in a bubble. If the Titans were smart, they would whisk him away and put him in like a mobile or something because you, you can't afford that. And a running back position post-COVID must be real difficult. The only running back we know that had COVID is what? Is Zeke Elliott, right? And he's not doing so well, so... There could be some implications there. Uh, speaking of Zeke Elliott, I have him at six. Like when he's involved in the passing game, but it's been it's really tumultuous. It's up and down every week. Every week it changes. The, the problem with the Dallas Cowboys, it's great that their defense sucks so bad that they're in these monster holes and have to break out. It's hilarious to me that they continue to play at a fast pace. It's fast when they're trailing is understood. They play fast when they're not trailing, which makes no sense, provided how terrible their defense is. So the problem, though, with consistent performances with Dallas is that you've got Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Gallup, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz. you got six or seven guys now on this team to feed. You can't do that. Sure, when you're scoring you know, 40, 31, 38 points a week, that's great. But when you're not, when you're scoring 20 or 17 points a week, like they did in week one against the Rams, you know that production just isn't there. Remember, Dak Prescott threw for 260 yards week one. What he's done since is disgusting and incredible. But Lamb had five for 59 in that game gallup had three for 50 in that game jarwin and schultz didn't have anything i mean that's and uh zeke had his best game of the year 22 for 96 two touchdowns one receiving three for 31 receiving so you you, f- you could feed three or four of these guys per week and a great offense sure but that's going to leave players out significantly it's not when you're left out and you get five for 50, you can handle a five for 50. You could handle five for 60, you know, somewhere around that. You can't afford two two catches, 19 yards. You can't afford a 58-yard rushing game from Zeke Elliott. You can't afford that. That will destroy your team. That will destroy you in the playoffs. It'll knock you out. It'll knock you out in the championship as well. Uh, number seven, James Conner. He passed the bye week. Offensive line has gotten healthy. Demara Dotson is back. Really good news that it, the extra week off when it happened really benefited James Conner. Going to be healthy and ready for the rest of the season. That's good. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, I have at eighth at the running back spot. Uh, touchdowns will come for him. You know, and been impressed and, and uh, disappointed at the same time with Edwards Hilaire. Sometimes in open field week, one looked great spinning and moving, but rookies coming in, used to playing 11, 12 games a season, having a grind. They don't practice nearly this much at the collegiate level as well. We know he's undersized. One other, one thing to be aware of with Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the Chiefs just activated DeAndre Washington from their practice squad. Now, Washington was the guy I incorrectly was worried about in the preseason. I thought that he, being Pat Mahomes' roommate, close friend, all that good stuff, and a very talented back who performed well with the Raiders last year, last couple of years, I thought he would give them a run for the money, both Daryl Williams and Clyde edwards I I wouldn't have been surprised if Washington was the lead back. That didn't happen. But why activate him? There's no injury. Darrell Williams is fine. Darwin Thompson's fine. Edward Solaire's fine. Why would they just activate him? So something to look at. Edward Solaire struggled in short yardage situations. And that's going to come back to haunt this offense. The one Achilles heel they have in Kansas City right now, and it's minor, is that picking up short yardage via the run. Edward Solaire has not been able to do it. And they, that's something you need. So just watch out for that. Jonathan Taylor is ninth. Another rookie thought I'd be way impressed impressed with Jonathan Taylor by now, and I'm not. The volume's there. The offensive line is absolutely sensational. But Taylor himself is just mediocre. Not breaking a lot of tackles. Not avoiding many tackles. And that's unusual because the guy we saw at Wisconsin was breaking everything. I mean, it feels to me like Taylor doesn't have the confidence that most rookies come in with. Most rookies are used to dominating and rookie running backs have dominated at the high school level, the college level. And so they come in and they're like, I'm just going to dominate here. So, and when you put them with a great offensive line, they don't even know that the game sped up or anything else because they're getting every, all the blocks are in place and everything's good. But Taylor has been the opposite. Whereas he was a man child in college. He looks like he's a pipsqueak almost in the NFL and not by his size or stature. It's just by slowed down by arm tackles. He's taken down by arm tackles, which is absolutely pathetic. I don't know. It's just, I hope he gets better. He needs to get better. Either way, he's got a ton of value because he's the lead guy on a good team with a great defense that will play from a lead most of the season. Chris Carson is number 10. I could make a case for Carson over Taylor or Clyde Edwards Hilaire, quite frankly, but you know, Seattle just doesn't push when they're not needed. So you get those game flows that can completely disintegrate Chris Carson's value, unfortunately, but I he's still a top 10 fantasy running back the rest of the way. Miles Sanders, 11, they need to get him going. Kareem Hunt, I have at number 12. I talked about the Cleveland running game before. If Hunt, if the groin heals, and he somehow does, it becomes 20, 22, 25, touch a game guy, good Lord, he might be a top four back in fantasy. But I think they're going to have complimentary runners here in Cleveland, I wouldn't doubt if some of the goal line work actually goes to Dearness Johnson instead of Kareem Hunt. So uh, he has number 12, Josh Jacobs, 13. Um, boy, I'm running out of time. Joe Mixon at 14. Mixon's going to suck this week. Another, it's going to be a bad week against Baltimore, bad week against Indianapolis, and then boom, he's going to come back. He His schedule, You could, I could map out, which I did last week, which why I'm so mad about it. I map out the whole season for Joe Mixon on his value. I told you sell high after that big week. Said it before it happened, and obviously I would do so now if you need the wins in weeks five and six. Uh, and then number fifteen, I do have James Robinson of the Jaguars involved in the passing game more than I thought with Chris Thompson. Um, Chris Thompson on the field a bunch, but not I don't know. Doesn't check down as much. I mean, shoot, to Thompson as he does to James Robinson seems to have a lot of faith in him. So those are my top 15 rest of season running backs. Um, Let's go over to fantasyguru.com. I want to talk about the slot chart slot wide receiver grid. Our guy Tyler Beaker does it every single week for you at fantasyguru.com. It's just a great tool. It's really important too, because, uh, because the, it's the weakest corner. You, The weakest cornerback is the one covering inside the most. And thus, when you get a really good receiver and a team and quarterback, it's really the quarterback, that the team that uses 11 personnel, meaning they're using three wide receivers a lot, and a quarterback who loves to throw inside, who's very comfortable, very confident thrown inside, that is where the best matchups come from. It's the best, the weakest corner, favorite thing for a quarterback, on the field a lot, that's the that's the perfect recipe. It's the chocolate and the peanut butter. And that's why this slot wide receiver grid that Tyler does every week is so darn important. Um, <clears throat> so with that being said, let, let's cover some of this ground and some of the players that, to play the most in the slot. I'll go through it real quick. There's, he has primary slot receivers, secondary slot receivers. He's got the total amount of targets that has been aimed at the slot receiver for each team. And then this, the target share, which is a very important metric for any wide receiver, any running, any pass catcher, because you want to see, it's great to have a, a nice total, a great number of overall targets, but sometimes you can find a ton of value with a team that may, may not throw a lot, may not pass a lot, maybe they're playing with a lead a lot, whatever, but they're really pumping the ball to that slot-wide receiver. All right, so uh, in that spirit, the primary slot receivers for all teams, I'll just read them off in alphabetical order. Um, Larry Fitzgerald he plays about 88% of the time. In the slot for the Cardinals, Russell Gage for the Falcons is about 79% of the time. Willie Snead for the Ravens, 84% of the time. Cole Beasley for the Bills is 88.3% of the time. Uh, Carolina mixes things up a lot. Curtis Samuel, 72% of the time in the slot. But Robbie Anderson plays in there 31% of the time, which is where he's made a lot of noise. It's a terrific matchup whenever he's on the interior Anthony Miller for the Bears plays 97% on, in the slot. Tyler Boyd, 81%. Jarvis Landry, it's weird. it's weird. I mean, they're such a running team. They're not thrown to the slot. They're not playing a lot of 11 personnel. He's only in the slot 50% of the time. Nobody else is. Uh, Kaderil Hodge is only in there about 23% of the time. So they're just not playing a lot of 11 personnel. The Dallas Cowboys are playing a lot of 11, of course, and CeeDee Lamb's in the slot 92.8% of the time, an absolute ton. Jerry Judy for the Broncos, 84.3. That's obviously changing as things go because uh, without Cortland Sutton, (laughs) Judy's being asked to play a lot more on the outside. That'll lead to KJ Hamler likely playing inside more when he's healthy. Danny Amendola plays 80% of the slot for Detroit. Darius Shepard has been 81.1% for the Packers. Randall Cobb, 83.2% of the time for the Houston Texans. Zach Pascal, talk about this all time, 56.1% in the slot. Now, that's not a high, huge number, but there's nobody else. There's only two receivers on this team. It's T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal. That is all they do. And Phillip Rivers has the highest target share to the slot receivers of any quarterback in the national football league and he's starting quarterback. I'm sorry. No, he does not. I'm sorry. He is fourth in that metric um, to the slot, but still very, very high. He's not in Tom Brady territory, but uh, that's why Pascal is a player I told you to pick up a couple of weeks ago when both Michael Pittman and first Paris Campbell, then Michael Pittman went down with injuries. Pascal's going to have a nice little run here um, in the next few weeks. Keelan Cole, 69.9% of the time in the slot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tyreek Hill, 55.8% for the Chiefs. Now, it's real close between him and Miko Hardman. miko Hardman's in there about 55% of the time as well. Remember, they play a bunch of four wide receiver sets too. So they move Tyreek all over the place. They like using him on a slot because they'll – do those jet sweeps with him from time to time although if you notice they're using a lot of Miko hardman in that spot as well both of the jet sweeps the bubble screens and things like that hunter renfro 66.7 percent of the time for the raiders keenan allen obviously dominates the uh, slot spot for the la chargers now it's only 44 percent for key uh keenan allen playing a lot more now outside this year they're using less 11 personnel than they did before Jalen Guyton's in the slot a bunch 42.5 percent of the times where he caught his long 75-yard touchdown a week ago uh, Jalen Guyton did from that slot spot but no matter where Ke- Keenan Allen is on the field that Justin Herbert who was announced will be the starter for the rest of the season for the Chargers he is finding him religiously which is a great, great sign. Cooper Cup, the slot receiver for the Rams, we know that. Sixty-one percent of the time. Isaiah Ford, ninety-six point six percent of the time for the Dolphins. Justin Jefferson, it, it's a mix. Jefferson and Chad Beebe. See, they don't play a lot of. Minnesota Vikings don't play a lot of uh, eleven personnel either. They've been playing a lot of two tight ends, so we don't. Neither, none of them really play the slot a lot. All right, now that percentage is the percentage of slot numbers, which is the lowest in the game for the Vikings. Edelman for the Patriots, of course, 74.6. Traquan Smith, 44.3 for the New Orleans Saints. Golden Tate, 81% of the time for the Giants. That will go up in the next couple of weeks while Sterling Shepard is out. Jamison Crowder, 80.2% for the Jets. Greg Ward for the Eagles. Greg Ward's undervalued right now simply because Carson Wentz trusts him and they don't have anybody else. Alshon Jeffrey didn't attend practice again today, which is a, I thought he'd be back by now going into week five, but it's Alshon Jeffrey and he's always banged up for whatever reason. Juju Smith-Schuster plays the interior mostly for Pittsburgh, 82.1% of the time. Kendrick Bourne for the 49ers. That will change because Trent Taylor plays the slot a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo. Since Garoppolo has been out and I think Garoppolo will be back this week against Miami. When Grable's in there, it's Trent Taylor. When any other quarterback, I assume it would be the same with Bethard than it was with Mullins, that will be Kendrick Bourne. Tyler Lockett, we all know, is the slot receiver for Seattle, and Russell Wilson loves him. Chris Godwin for Tampa Bay when he's healthy. When it hasn't been Godwin, it's been Justin Watson. This week, tonight's game, neither one of them are available. So you're not gonna see a lot of twelve person or eleven personnel for the tampa bay buccaneers here this week with uh a banged up mike evans a banged up scotty miller who's done great work uh godwin not in the game justin watson not in the game so the guy to watch out for is tyler johnson fifth round pick out of minnesota one of the he was he, he's a guy when he was drafted here i had high expectations for tyler johnson i thought he'd win that slot job. I thought that stick Godwin and Evans on the outside and move Johnson in Scotty Miller sort of won that role when they're at full strength, but look for Tyler Johnson, especially tonight against the Chicago bears. Uh, He's in a great spot going to play in there quite a bit. Tennessee, Adam Humphreys 84.8% of the time when the Titans play, of course, and then the Washington potatoes, Steven Sims, 80% of the time. So there you go. As far as the teams with the most targets, uh, the highest target share, which I think is the most important thing. Um, teams that are over 40%. There's one team. That's the Houston Texans, believe it or not, 41.4% target share to the slot receiver, which just so happens to be, majority of the time, 832 Randall Cobb. The secondary slot receiver is Brandon Cooks. They move him inside. They'll move Will Fuller in there too, but so Randall Cobb, There's a lot of value. Everyone wrote him off after a bad week one, but it's been fairly productive the last few weeks. Next highest is 36.6% target share. And that is Willie Sneed for the Baltimore Ravens. Stay away from Willie Sneed. Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, 36.2% target share for the Panthers. Samuels doesn't exist in my world. Robbie Anderson does. That's another good one. Um, High other highest target shares, Isaiah Ford 35.2% of the time for the Miami Dolphins. It's the exact same number as Julian Edelman in New England there as well. Uh but who else? The the Bears, Anthony Miller, 34.4% of target share. Miller doesn't play a ton, but he is the only he is that's he plays ninety-seven percent most in the NFL out of the slot, which is a good sign. And Nick Foles uh, between the tight end. And the slot receivers. Remember, he made Nelson Aguilar a thing back in 2017 when the won the Super Bowl. Maybe that's the Anthony. Maybe Anthony Miller goes down that route, that road this season. All right, folks, for more on the slot ride receivers, check it out over at fantasyguru.com. Get there, check it out. Um Other information for this week, a couple of players that you should be starting across in fantasy football. Um, We'll do some starts and sits here. I also, and I've got to get you my bets for the week. Don't forget about that. Leadsportsbetting.com. But as far as the players, you need to be starting, uh, start them, start Matt Ryan, start Drew Brees, start Josh Kelly, Start Mark Ingram this week. You want a bold prediction for a touchdown? Mark Ingram gets in the box against Cincinnati. It's a real good matchup. And I noticed the way I think I, it's not easy to tell how Greg Roman is going to use his running backs. But I, my belief is that this, would, this is going to fall into a Mark Ingram week. And with that, I think he's going to be very productive. He scored both times uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals last year when the Ravens absolutely demolished him two straight games. So uh, Mark Ingram, look for him to get in the box. I put him in. He's a low end wide or running back to high end flex for week number five. The Robbie Anderson must be started. Deontay Johnson must be started. CeeDee Lamb must be started. Golden Tate. But that one, he's in the top 36 this week. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Hunter Henry, I know you're pissed. I know you're pissed. I know you don't like it. But um, Henry, good target share from Justin Herbert. It wasn't there last week, but that's more of a blip than anything else, especially when Mike Williams is out. You've got to start Hunter Henry. And and against the New Orleans Saints, they've had a real rough time and go of it against uh, the tight end position. Others, Albert O, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. He kind of ascends. If Noah Fant is out for Denver, be careful of that one. Noah Fant, I think, will miss this week. Albert O went to Missouri with uh, Drew Locke. If Drew Locke comes back, Albert O is a guy to keep an eye on, especially if Fant is out for any particular amount of time. Players to bench this week. I'm benching Tom Brady tonight. He may throw two touchdowns, but it will be far under 250 yards against the bears ryan fitzpatrick bench him this week um Devonte freeman daryl henderson julian edelman jerry judy aj green rob gronkowski dalton schultz drew sample all of those players are bench him this week if you don't have other options i understand and you, if you're forced into it because of injuries or, or COVID and Tennessee and all these others, I get it. But those are ideal situations. Those are all players that I start. They're within the top 12 at quarterback, top 24 at running back, top 36 at wide receiver. According to my projections and rankings over at fantasyguru.com, if I told you to bench them, that means they're out of those numbers as well. One other thing I want to talk about quick before I get to my bets and our survivor picks of the week. And that is a great point was brought up uh, on the SiriusXM show a couple days ago by my friend Ray Flowers, co-worker. He does the matchup breakdowns on FantasyGuru and EliteFantasy.com. So something that Ray mentioned, unlike other years, this year it really makes sense to start players on Thursday. When you know if you have a tough decision – between a player who's going on Thursday, let's say it's two wide receivers. Let's say this week it was like Scotty Miller and um, uh, Debo Samuel. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, whoever it may be. Knowing when you get to Thursday, it, it, you need to lean on Thursday more is what I'm saying. You know, because anything can happen Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. With COVID, with testing and all that. You know, risking it. If you know somebody's gonna be on the field and he's good to go on a Thursday, don't shy away from it because it's on Thursday like you used to. We all had those preconceived notions to a certain degree that we wanted the players later on and all that in short weeks. Maybe we faded a guy because of that. This year, when you have it in your hip pocket and you could lock it somebody in who you'll think will be fairly productive to very productive. Um, just do it. Just lock it in on Thursday, and that gives you more options. At the very worst, for your Sunday lineup, that way if somebody else gets hurt or go not, not hurt, could get hurt on a Friday practice. But I'm thinking more in terms of the COVID testing comes down with it on Friday. I mean, it's what happened to Cam Newton last week, right? It's same thing. It's out of nowhere. It pops up. You just don't know might as well lock in a player if they're similar. Now, I'm not telling you if you have Dalvin Cook or Le'Veon Bell, oh, just put Le'Veon Bell Thursday, no freaking way. No way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about very similarly valued players. Just go ahead and don't shy away from starting a guy on a Thursday. Um, All right, let's get to our picks of the week. Again, all my bets are found at EliteSportsBetting.com. If you subscribe to Elite Fantasy and or fantasy and you want to try the betting site out, maybe you just want to sample or a taste. and want to come in at a very low price. You have to email our support department support at elite fantasy.com and tell them that uh, man says that you'll give me a big discount on elite sports betting. What are my options? What are my offers? And uh, we, we discount it pretty significantly for those who are already part of the the elite mafia on elite fantasy so if you haven't signed up for any of them and you want like a super discount all three we'll do bundles for all three for sure but um you have to email support for that otherwise just use the promo code radio 20 and you're good to go that's as low as they'll go uh if you're only a standalone customer survivor Picks this week. I still have one in it. I'm one of the final six. There were once 38 people in this one, and six remaining after four weeks. That is, that is really uh, dropping like flies. But there's two teams. It's the Chiefs and it's the Ravens. Now I'll tell you this. I look at the Ravens. They're banged up. We know uh, Lamar Jackson isn't practicing. He should be good to go, though. I th- I'm pretty sure Lamar will be fine. And will play, but knee injury, don't love to hear that. Uh, Their schedule coming up is a little rough compared to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens, you got to kind of look at these things. They have the, the Bengals, which we know they'll win, but then the Eagles, Steelers, Colts, Patriots, Titans, Steelers, you know, Cowboys, Browns. They don't have like a gimme game for quite a while, the Ravens. Meanwhile, the Chiefs. Defending Super Bowl champions, the Raiders this week, Bills next week, which is tough. Then the Broncos, eh, the Jets, the Panthers, the Raiders again. Tampa's a tough one. Broncos again, Dolphins later. So what I'm saying is I'm going to go the Ravens this week. Assuming Lamar Jackson plays. Otherwise, I'm pivoting to the Chiefs if I have one entry. If I have two entries, I will split between I'll have one Baltimore, one Kansas City, assuming you haven't used it yet. But otherwise, if I have one entry, I'm going Baltimore assuming Lamar Jackson plays. And then I could use the chiefs when they play the jets in a few weeks at home, by the way, which we know that's, I mean, save that for that one. So that's an automatic for you right there. My best bet of the week. I will say this is a tough week on the betting side of things, but the one that I'm absolutely certain of it's on Sunday night football. It's the Seattle Seahawks minus seven only against Minnesota. Minnesota stinks they can run the ball, but unfortunately that's a strength of the the Seattle defense. They're going to have to throw more than anything. They're going to throw. So, so that's a game that I think Seattle wins easily by 10 plus points. And I'll take seven with that one. If I'm looking for an upset, I don't like a lot of upsets this week. I hit on my upset last week and guess what? I'm going to go right back to the same team. Cleveland Browns. They're a home underdog against the Indianapolis Colts. Two and a half point. To underdog I think Cleveland absolutely has a chance this is a pick em game in my book so I would take the points ideally at plus two and a half if you're betting that one but you might as well take the money line at plus 125 for Cleveland yeah I, I, Nick Chubb's a loss but the, the play action passing came around last week it's a much tougher matchup I expect a lower scoring game between these two teams but if you had to put me on an upset that one would be it for this week. All right, folks. That is it. That will do it for another episode of One Man's Opinion. I want to thank everybody for listening and putting up with my rant in the beginning. I know it's hard to um, hear. It, you don't like to hear these words. You don't like to hear me push at you. You think I'm an asshole. That's okay. I could be the enemy. I have no problem being the enemy as long as it benefits you. As long as you profit, you put money in your pocket that's all I give a shit about, quite honestly. So feelings aside, that is it. I also want to give a shout out to everybody who put comments on our uh, Spotify, our iTunes, our Google Play list there, you know, wherever you download the One Man's Opinion podcast, a lot of great Uh, a lot of new ratings and reviews and subscriptions in the last couple of weeks. I really appreciate you guys doing it. If you can reach out, tell a friend, if you have similar interests, you got to hear this guy or this guy's a piece of shit or whatever it is, positive, negative, whatever, just get the word out everybody. Because uh, as some of the people that gave me some reviews on this podcast have said, they said, Oh, I'd love more episodes. I'd love to do more episodes. This is it. I could talk real deal here, man. I could tell you a lot of behind-the-scenes shit. I could tell you, man, I was on a phone call with a sponsor on the SiriusXM show this week. I'd love to talk about that shit. You know what I mean? So, And, and I'm not scared to do it. Just uh, let's get more episodes rolling up in here. So appreciate you guys doing that. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Again, you know where to find me, Jeff underscore mans on Twitter, The Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. All the sites across the Elite Sports Network, EliteFantasy.com, sports betting.com Best of luck to everybody in week number five. And remember, if you disagree with anything I said here today, that's okay. Why? Because this is one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Tuesday!